1: Right rug flooring.
3: then I also think, like, that is life. I also wouldn't choose to have a life that was like, good, 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 but never great or bad. Like, I'll take the option where it's higher highs and some lows and, you know, a mix, like I want the sort of up and down
2: Welcome to She Pivots, the podcast where we talk with women who dared to pivot out of one career and into something new and explore how their personal lives impacted these decisions. I'm your host, Emily Tish Sussman. Today's a bittersweet day. I'm so excited to share my conversation with Shea Mitchell for our season two finale of She Pivots. This has been such an incredible season. From launching season one last year with just 10 episodes, we've tripled our guests and had so many incredible conversations along the way. I couldn't be happier to end the season with Shay, who pivoted from a career in acting to founding and running the incredibly successful Travel Essentials brand, BASE, all while navigating the challenges of motherhood, both personally and in the spotlight. Shea got her start in the industry by starring in the iconic show Pretty Little Liars. If you're not familiar, the show is wonderfully absurd and a dramatic show surrounding a dark mystery of disappearance of their best friend while uncovering who the anonymous and ominous A character is. The show is fun and fantastical and, of course, dramatic. But since those days, Shay has carved her own path with her brand Base, which she started working on right after the show ended. Known for their stylish and practical travel essentials, Shay has made Base a household brand that's growing year over year. This was such a fun conversation, it felt like the perfect one to end the season with. It's fun, introspective, and deeply personal. Hope you enjoy.
3: My name is Shay Mitchell, and uh, I do all the things. Entrepreneur, actress, mother, daughter, sister, all the above. multi in it, as we all seem to be these days, truly. And that's the best answer. Chef, chauffeur, depending on the day, ask my daughter. I mean, I'm all of those things, you know? Okay, so let's wind it back. Let's talk about little Shay because you started yes. working young. Yeah. But even before that, what did you think you were going to be when you grew up? Oh, I was going to be a marine biologist. Flipper was my favorite movie. I loved dolphins. You know, I would sign my name with a little dolphin over it. I'm pretty sure my first email address was dolphin girl, like whatever number following it. I wanted to be a marine biologist. I thought that's where I was going to go. I want to be swimming in the ocean every day, you know, and that's what I would tell people. Up until I would say I was in high school, then I wanted to study photojournalism. And I was like, I would love to work. For National Geographic, I could, you know, merge my love of travel with photography and like all the experiences. You'd be so well rounded as a a human to have that job. Like, so that's what I fantasized about. And then I wanted to be a food blogger. I was like, how awesome would that be? You know, to be able to travel and eat around the world, you know, it always was changing. But for sure, when I was younger, it was a marine biologist. Okay. But so the travel piece was in there pretty young. Oh, yeah. Do you remember your first trip? I don't remember my first trip, but I will say I'm very grateful to have had parents that they love to travel as well. And they would take my brother and I on a lot of cruise ships back in the day. Uh, That was their thing. So I was able to go to many different places in one trip. Don't do those anymore, but it was really fun growing up and just being able to have that experience of going to a new place and having to be comfortable in the unfamiliar. Like I learned that at a young age, I was like, Oh, wait, our regular store is in here. Wait, where is it? Oh, we have to look on a map back then. And like, let's figure out like, where are we going to go and eat? And that's a new thing. Like my parents, we talked about where they're going to eat at home. We knew our places. And I love that. I'm like, oh, this is exciting. There's an adventure every day, you know? And like, oh, when I was eating at a restaurant, this is an interesting fruit I've never had before. I was learning so much at that age, being on the road that I started to just fall in love with that. And I was like craving the unknowingness of of where we were going and and what we would be doing in these places. So I really did look forward to the trips. And I honestly, even to this day, like look forward to a plane ride. Like I love that. I loved it when I was younger. And I still love it now, including the plane food.
2: Okay, but you you ended up veering off young into
3: entertainment. Was that Mm -hmm. ever part of the calculation? It was young, but I never did it in high school. Like I was never in drama class. I didn't do any acting when I was younger. It honestly was only after I graduated high school. I ended up moving to Toronto and I was taking an acting class there. There was this one time where my acting teacher, I had done my monologue. Everybody had stood up and done a monologue. And he said to me after, hey, you don't need to do that. Get in some guy's Ferrari in LA. You'll be good. And I was like, no, he didn't. And it just ignited a fire in me that I think I still would have had regardless, but this really pushed me. And I was like, okay, cool. Okay, cool. You know, because I'm sure you're not the only one that thinks that, but I can do this. And, and yeah, I mean, that just sort of propelled me into working on it a little harder, a little faster than maybe I would have, but it was only after high school that I really considered moving into acting.
2: I actually had a very similar situation in my first job in politics that I was on a campaign and I had been kind of without direction before that. I was like a big partier in college. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I just had no drive. And I was like, okay, I'm working on a political campaign. This is serious me. Right. Like here is serious me. And one of the senior staffers, you know, we were getting drinks afterwards. And one of the senior staffers pulled me aside and he was like, so who do you think you're going to hook up with on the campaign? And I was like,
3: what? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I was like, but this is serious. So I I get like, I gave me that drive that I was like, yeah, yeah no, you're going to get that. I'm here that work. You're going to get that. I'm smart. Like you're going to get that. I'm a hard worker. And I think it did like propel me even
3: harder. Exactly. Sometimes that's what you need. It's not that we wouldn't have done it regardless of that. It's just, it just lights that match a little quicker than it may have happened. So how did that play out for you? Pretty well. I mean, after that, I, I, really threw myself into auditioning in canada and that's when you know i'd landed the part of pretty little liars and so i came out to la i had done the audition and the test for the network and the studio and life changed
0: Liars is quite
1: the mystery. It's very, very addicting and very intense to watch. It's juicy,
3: it's pretty, and it's suspenseful. And I think there's a lot of heart to it. It you know involves drama, mystery, and very intense relationships, and you can't wait to see what happens
0: next. We're
2: here now with the cast of Pretty Little Liars, their hotly anticipated mid-season premiere is tonight. I don't know about you, but I do not want them to leave.
3: Pretty Little. I went from doing bottle service one night to memorizing my lines in the closet, coat check, to then being asked if I wanted steak or fish on the airplane. I'd never had that experience. I was like, sorry, what? How how much is this? And he's like, no, it's paid for. Like, Warner Brothers are paid for. I'm like, oh. I'll have a filet mignon and a glass of champagne. You know what I mean? Like that was my first experience of bringing it on. I'd only been used to serving champagne to actually have been receiving on the other end of it was quite nice, especially up in the air. But yeah, I mean, life changed really quickly for me at that point. Pretty Little Liars became an
2: almost immediate success. It first aired in 2010 when dark teenage dramas were all the rage. Think Twilight, The Vampire Diaries. The show even prompted the book series that it was based off of to be extended beyond the initial eight novels.
3: I had no idea it was going to blow up to what it did, you know? Yeah. I don't think anybody could have, I don't know, even dreamt that it would be what it was.
2: Do you remember when you felt like, like, okay, I've made it. Like, we did it.
3: When I got my Teen Choice surfboard and I, like, put that up in my house, I had a Teen Choice surfboard on my vision board when I was in Toronto. So did to that actually happen in real life? I was like, oh, this feels cool. Like, I just... Yeah. It was like as if I saw that image on my board just come to life. Jay Mitchell was just one of the Pretty Little Liar stars that stunned on the pink carpet at the 2012 Teen Choice Awards. And your choice TV show drama is... And in the
2: show, you played like the girl next door Mm -hmm. who was also gay and mixed race, which was
3: not traditional. I mean, how did that feel? I think at one point I was reading it. And even like a good friend of mine who still is a good friend, she was just speaking her opinion. She's like, girl next door, girl next door. I'm like, yeah. And, you know, because in her mind, she was thinking not what I was. And that just never stopped me. I don't let anything stop me when I read, you know, auditions, even to this day, it could ask for something that's completely different from what I am, and I'm still going to go for it just because you never know. And sometimes they don't even know. So... That didn't really affect me, even though, you know, getting that part, a lot of people who were fans of the books may not have been the happiest because I didn't match what they have visualized for so long in being fans of the series. They had this idea of what Emily looked like, and it was not me.
2: The show being based on teen novels was both a blessing and a curse. Many of the book fans helped the show find its success it needed, but also had their own expectations of what the cast, dialogue, and ultimately the plot should look like.
3: So being able to move past that was a little tricky at the beginning, just because I was like, okay, juggling living in LA, trying to find an apartment, memorizing these lines. People don't like me. This is weird. You know, there was a lot of stuff to juggle at that time. Plus I was a lot younger. So it was a lot, but hey, it's threw a lot of things at me that I now I feel like that equipped me for where I was going to be in the future. Well, I feel like those are the
2: moments of growth. Like yeah. you, you may or may not realize it in the moment, but it is. Absolutely. Do you remember some specifics around those that you then felt like, okay, like I, in retrospect, you're like, yeah, this really did help me.
3: I think I was really hard on myself at the beginning. Obviously I was new to acting. So if people would like critique my acting skills or this or that, definitely it affected me at the beginning. But then at the same time, I was like, fuck it, fake it till I make it. I mean, everybody started somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Nobody comes on the map, like right off the bat, Meryl Street, like it's just not like that. And so I've learned over the years and even through that process, especially now having daughters, I'm like, be more gentle on yourself. I wish I could have been a little bit more at that point. But at the same time, I've always been one to live in the moment. And I truly was. I was enjoying it. If it keeps coming, I'm going to keep taking it. Let's just keep it moving. Like, why am I really going to stop and really think about if I deserve this? Should I be here? Am I good enough? Like, nobody has time for that. You do that and you're missing all the amazing time that you could be having in that moment. Like, I'm not going to do that. So there was a moment where that forced me to be like, I could either like wallow in my sorrows and read every comment that somebody's saying, or I could be enjoying this amazing life that I have and just continuing to like, you know, celebrate with people who love and support me. So I chose the latter and that's how I've continued to do it. I feel
2: that I felt like there were so many years that I was so worried that other people weren't going to think that I deserved to be in the room, like that mm-hmm. I wasn't smart enough to be in the room, that I wasn't accomplished enough to be in the room. And I was worried that people were going to talk about me in that way. And then when I realized they were, it actually was quite freeing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I was like, wait a second, I've been working as hard as I am and I know that I deserve it. Absolutely. Yeah. And if they're going to talk about me either
3: way, then fuck them. And people are always going to talk about you, good or bad. You could be, I don't know, very close to a mother tree. You know what I mean? Like you could be anything and be the best person in your mind, but people are always going to say stuff. At the end of the day, you have to let people be them and you have to continue to live the life that you love.
2: Okay, so I will confess that I I did not
3: watch all of Pretty Little Liars. That is okay. There are a <laughs> lot of seasons. You are... More than allowed to not have seen everything or even one. I need like a full other maternity leave. yeah, Like to be able to catch up with like, yeah, Maybe seven. three more. Yeah.
2: Three, exactly three more. But I did see some of Mike's Mike recap. Is this guy on
3: YouTube? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. yes. And he, he has like a full map. I mean, every, the writer should have like hired him to continue this entire series. He, he knows more than I think everybody. It's incredible. I saw that one time. His like whole whiteboard and arrows and pictures. It's amazing. But then I'm also like, should you be a criminal detective? You know what I mean? I love the teenage absurdity of it. So, but th- was there like an episode or a time in the show where you're like, did we go too far?
2: Due to ongoing sag after strike, we have removed a few parts of our conversation to honor the actors who continue to strike for fair wages. So you might hear a few jumps or bleeps in the conversation to respect those ongoing efforts.
3: Oh my God. I, I can't think of a better way to have spent my twenties. I was on an extremely successful show with incredible people. So smart, so talented. You know, I was like basically living at Warner Brothers studio. It's It was surreal. Like that's how I spent, I couldn't go to my high school reunion because I was shooting something like that's like, these are all dream moments. When I was being bullied in high school, I would sit there and like, when there's a high school reunion, I'm going to pull up in a helicopter and I'm going to get dropped down and all of them shooting a movie. So I'm going to only be able to attend. Like I was so detailed with it, but I truly was shooting this movie. And it just happened to be with Jennifer Aniston for this movie called Mother's Day. So I was like, I can't make it because I'm shooting this movie with Jennifer. And it was just, a, it was a funny moment for me, but I loved it. Cause I was like, if I could have only told the girl eating in the bathroom that like, she wouldn't be able to make her high school reunion because she was doing this. It would have made for a less lonely day, you know? So, yeah. I just think you never know. Even if you are in tricky situations where you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel, just know that like you may not be able to see it cuz there's a curve or a corner, but like it is there. It is there. I loved it. And I look back on it with the fondest memories. And that's why, you know, sometimes even people are like, do you still, do you get bothered talking about it? And I'm like, no, that was one of the biggest, that was the biggest turning point for me, you know, in my life. Mm. It completely changed the direction of where I was going. So I can only say great things about it.
2: It was the early 2010s. And as Pretty Little Liars grew, so did social media. The leads in the show were thrust into the spotlight, not just in traditional Hollywood media, but on platforms like Instagram and Twitter. Shay had to quickly learn how to navigate those different spotlights.
3: Because social media really does make it tricky to figure out what is real, what isn't. Being able to disassociate the highlight reels that everybody's portraying versus what you have no idea they're actually going through. And I feel like from my experience and the popularity of Pretty Little Liars being so heavily on social media, I was able to figure that out very quickly. Where I do believe that I have a very healthy relationship with social media at this point. And honestly, kind of when I turned 30, that was a turning point. And I was like, Oh, my God, I have figured this out. This is it's real to a certain degree. But like, I take it all with a grain of salt. And I only hope to be able to instill the same way I have a relationship with social media to my girls. Where have you found those boundaries for you and what you put out publicly? Yeah, I would say that, you know, at, at one point, I was waking up and like religiously looking at this one news outlet it wasn't really but it just kept feeding like these like shocking stories. And I remember I read this one story one time and it like affected me so bad. I couldn't stop. I still can't stop thinking about it. And I was like, why do I do this to myself? I have the choice to look at this or not look at this. And I'm like starting my day reading this news when it's making me feel, let's not do that. And I never looked at it since. And I have been so much happier since ever looking at that. And I think we have to pick and choose what we feel is making us happier. Well, what we're wanting to feel, you can do that based on your gut. If I'm looking at something, in somebody's content for some reason doesn't make me feel good anymore, it's an unfollow, it's a mute. It's you don't have to look at, you don't have to pay attention to certain material that's out there if you don't want that. Yeah. So I definitely learned how to get rid of the excess stuff that wasn't benefiting me. And then I think how I deal with it is I do things that I think are funny and relatable, especially when I, you know, had both my girls and like when they were babies, there's so much funny stuff that happens with that that I'm like, let's do some funny content for the other moms that are up late breastfeeding at night. Telling Kelly how I hadn't done my brows in forever. And at that point, Rome wanted to eat. So we did my brows standing up. You know, like what are things that I would find funny? Like, let's do that. And I just have a way better time enjoying and, and creating content like that than I do the other things. So it, it I do what feels right to me. I could look at a picture one time and like, see something. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't want to share that. Like that's a private special moment. And I don't. And I feel like I pick and choose, but it's just a gut check. It really is for me. I look at different things. I'd love to share so many photos, especially like, you know, all of our kids do very cute things. and You are like, Oh my God, that's a funny moment. Ah, Let's put that in the memory bank or like the family chat. And I kind of do that. I go through like, does that go in this column, this column, this column? And that's not to say it's right or wrong, but that's right for me and how I feel. And that's what I have to go. I have the power to choose what I want to put out there. If I put it out there, you have the freedom to ask me about it. You know what I mean? If I don't, then people won't know about it to ask me about it. So yeah, you would say it was like common sense, but at the same time, I think you also need to have the experience in social media, which sounds crazy to be able to make these decisions that you feel good about. And I've had this experience from being on, you know, the shows that I've been on. Yeah, I mean, this
2: is all evolving with us, like like all evolving up with us. With it, yes. So like the play, it's not like there's like something for us to like look back on and be like, that's the playbook. Like it's new as we are new.
3: Absolutely. And, and figuring it out. And for me, I'm like, I just don't want to feel forced to have to provide content. Like it's, it's, but it's also not my, my number one source of income for different people and and content creators. I get that they have to do that. That's a job for them. So that's a different story before myself. I am able to pick and choose when I want to put it out there and I have to do it when I feel right, because I never want to push myself into a place that's unhealthy mentally because I'm spending too much time. And I think too, you could attest to this. When you have kids, it changes. Back in the day, I could be in my bed all day without kids. I could be on social media nine hours out of the day going between that and a TV show and feel completely content, right? But now that I have kids, I don't want them seeing me on my phone constantly. And I also don't want to be on my phone when I have real life content in front of me. So it's more so the latter that I'm like, I'm less on my phone. I'm less on social media at certain times now. Like, I stay up super late because after I put them to bed, that's when I go on. I'm like, "Mm -hmm," me in my bed, you know, just with this like little blue light. Probably not good for me. I should have the lights on. But anywho, I just feel like things have changed. My priorities have changed. And I feel very fortunate to also be able to have that time with them during the day where I can put things down. So it's a fun dance that everybody does.
2: Eventually in 2017, Pretty Little Liars came to an end after seven seasons. As Shay let go of that part of her life, she was on full throttle in the background. By 2018, she was poised to launch Base, starred in the hit new Netflix show You, and was trying to start a family. So I do want to back up a little bit because you did have yes. a pretty, a big year, like a pivotal moment year in 2018. I mean, a lot happened. Yeah. So that was the year that you were
3: building and launched Base. You appeared mm-hmm. in you... I have a memory of a snail, so I'm like, okay. 2018. I'm like trying trying to remember. (laughs) I'm like, what happened? I'm like, was that when Atlas was born or was that after? Yes, I did launch. Yes. Okay. Sorry. You were in you. You appeared in you. Yes. Yes. And also the miscarriage a lot in a year. I mean, that, that
2: is a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot for anybody. I mean, like for me, I feel like sometimes when things are a lot, I have to like double down on work just to like Mm -hmm. keep myself moving. I mean, is that how you made it through or like, how did you make through all of that?
3: I mean, honestly, I when I talk about myself and my life and perspectives, I, I always have such a like wave of gratefulness because it just keeps bringing me back to the point where I have such a solid group of people around me. I really yeah. do. And I know that's not the case for everybody, but I have to call it out. And I think along with, yes, throwing myself into work and keeping myself busy, I also have incredible friends that I can you know, count on to kind of be there and be like, okay, cool. But like I said, reminding me that there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And I, ha- and that's sort of my phrase. So I'd probably say that a lot, but I always think that like, if I am in a dark place or I'm, you know, things aren't amazing. I'm like, okay, cool. You can't see it. Cause there's a curve or a corner, but like there is a light at the end of the tunnel. And like in a few years, however much time is going to go, by, you'll look back and be like, oh, wow. You know, and, and, and as hard as it is, I have to believe that things happen for reasons, that we may not understand at that moment. And I know for some people that also isn't something they like to hear for me, it does help. And I think yeah. with that, yes, I was thrown into work and it was weird because that year, and I do remember it now, cause I actually did a whole like highlight reel of it. Um, because there was so much stuff that happened in that year. It was the most exciting year and it was also heartbreaking. And then with that, you know, it did bring me closer to the people that I am close with because I had to fall back on them a lot harder. And I saw how much they were able to carry me from that and be able to help me go through that. So I don't know, it's, it's weird. It's like, every year, I feel like it's a dance, you're like close to people, then you're not and you're great at things and you're not. But then I also think like that is life that I, I I also wouldn't choose to have a life that was like, good, 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 but never great or bad. Like I'll take the option yeah. where it's higher highs and some lows and you know, a mix like I want the sort of up and down more so than I would want just a straight line.
2: I definitely identify with that. I feel mm-hmm. like, like now I can, you know, acknowledge for myself that like, I'm a high intensity person. And yeah. sometimes that means lows, what's your lows, sign? Taurus. Okay, what's yours? Aries. I don't know. I don't know enough to know what that means. You no, know, I'm like
3: just <laughs> fire. Just basically all you need to know with Aries is just like fire. <laughs>
2: But I mean, I think I used to be sort of envious of people who seem to not have these extremes. And now Mm -hmm. I can realize that actually I'm good with it. Like, this is just who I am. Yeah, it's your journey. You know, in this mom identity, I want to talk about this because this really struck me that you did this campaign, the Share the Love campaign. Becoming a mom for me was perspective altering and very hard, very hard. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. I... I could not imagine the position that you were in to be in public and have gotten criticism about it. Like I was criticizing myself and it was impossible. So how did you come to the place to be able to say, okay, screw all the noise, let's just celebrate moms for who they are?
3: I had, I think again, the experience that I had about muting the negative comments when I would get them from all my years before having kids that I feel like I had my, my armor, like I was good. Honestly, I, I do have to say, there's a lot of things I'm not good at. What I am good at is tuning people out when they talk about parenting with me. I don't care. I know I'm a good mom. You can't yeah. tell me otherwise. And I think we all deep down know that we are. And and I feel like, you know, yes, are you, are you making the perfect lunches for them? And you're using the star cutout in their sandwich and, and you're writing them notes on this. No, I'm definitely not that. But the amount of love that I have for them that they see and feel each and every day, I feel good with that. And I feel like, you know, we are looking at social media these days and we are comparing ourselves, we're comparing our vacations, our lives, our relationships, everything. But where I do feel like we have to be kinder is is when we are looking at other moms and other parents in general, because there is no other job like it. And I said this even when I got back from a trip recently, I, I was flying back with both my girls and my nanny and we were both still like... And like, she's more helpful than my partner. So I can only imagine like a single like parent with kids. And when I look at them and they're traveling with two kids, I'm like, how? One, whatever. I'm just like, I used to think wearing that mom necklace was cheesy. I'm going to be honest with you. I was like, I'm not going to be that person that wears a mom necklace. Like, new. No. Let me tell you, after going through one kid and then another one and like being able to call myself a mom, you know, and like that to me is now like a warrior badge. Like that is a badge of honor that I'm like, oh no, I want everybody to know because that's a whole other talent and skill. And just like, I don't know. And and parent, to be honest, because there are single dads. I just mean like that to me now is, is truly my badge of honor. And it's, it's the hardest thing that I have done and will ever do And I feel like the respect on it has completely changed from what I thought before. Now, at the same time, when I was pregnant with Atlas and going through it my first time, there was a moment when I was like eight or nine months and I was like, oh my God, she's going to be here in a month. Like then I'm a mom. Like then I'm a real mom. Like I'm pregnant right now. I'm like, not, not a mom yet, but like, then I'm a mom. I'm a mom. I'm a mom. And I was bawling my eyes out. And I had this incredible doula. Again, I feel very grateful that I've been able to have amazing support. And she was like, yes, this version of Shay is going to have to be put down because it is this, this chapter of, of this Shay is non-existent after this because you move into another chapter and now you are a mom and things and responsibilities and the way you look at things are going to change. And that's life, you know, even when when you're single to then when you're in a relationship, like we move through different versions of ourselves. And I think I just had to be okay with mourning the loss of like single wow shit, like what I thought was gonna be gone forever. But but truly that person is gone. I'm I'm not, not thinking about my kids all the back in the day. I, I didn't wake up thinking, are they okay? Are they fed? Like I always have that on my mind now. I didn't have that back in the day. We could both have turned off our phones and just booked a trip to Fiji. We can't do that now. So as much as people are like, you can still be that same person. Absolutely. I could still have fun nights and do this and that, but I'm, that Shay is not here anymore, you know, and that's okay. So I think it's just learning that. And that was probably one of the hardest things. And that's why I talked so much about prepartum because I feel like post is definitely difficult too, but I really did struggle more so for me with the prepartum. And also because I hadn't heard people talk about it as much. So I was like, what the fuck is this? This isn't what I read about. I was prepared and ready to go into battle with postpartum. But like, what's this? So it was interesting. Honestly, I had never heard anybody
2: talk about prepartum. And I think I had it in the same way. I was so depressed about the loss of I was like, I actually was not looking to change my life. Like my life is pretty good absolutely like childless workaholic me I was not looking to change it and I was so sick during my pregnancies Ugh. that it changed immediately yeah okay and I was so frustrated but I think I wonder now in retrospect if I actually had postnatal like postpartum depression mm-hmm. or if it was
3: just legitimately depressing right and I think it could have been either of those things but because I think we more fixate on you know and I like the flower crowns, which are beautiful and all the like happy moments and like the gender reveal and all of that. Like, I think those are all great things. I definitely did them in different variations, but I feel like I'm such an advocate now for there to be those baby showers and all the celebrations, like after you have the baby too, like when you're in the first month, like I want people to bring me flower crowns after, you know, having a baby. Yeah. And I wanna now, knowing what I know, bring other women who are in bed not feeling their best with a stained tank top or whatever, just trying to figure out how much to feed their baby, whatever. I wanna then bring them flower crowns then. And I feel like that's when we really need the support and that should be more talked about because it that can also be extremely lonely. And um it's a it's a lot. Like motherhood is one thing on its own. Pregnancy is a whole other ball game. And I have like in-depth conversations with friends and and friends of mine who aren't pregnant yet and are talking about it. And I'm like really real with it. Mine wasn't with flower crowns and rainbows. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. No,
2: I did not. And I feel like my mission now is to tell everybody who's just had a baby that they don't have to breastfeed. I'm like, if you're waiting for someone to give you permission, but I will attack, I mean, like moms from my school, I barely know. Yeah. Like, Like, I feel like this is the way that I am adding now to this conversation, that I'm like, if you're waiting for someone to
3: give you permission, let me be the one to give you permission. And that's the same thing that I feel about, you know, and again, people have their own opinion, but even when it goes from like natural births or epidural, all of that, I'm like, we don't walk around and you're not like, oh, I see it you were breastfed. Oh, formula. Hey, epidural. Your mom did upper. You don't know that you can't tell. Like there's no trophy at the end. Like do what feels right to you. We're already going through so much with our bodies, our minds, everything relationships around us, everything is different. And you have to be kind on yourself. You can't breastfeed. Fuck it. Who cares? Like It's not about trying to be the perfect mom. You need to do what's right for you because your hormones and your energy and all of that is way more important, I genuinely feel. Yes, like you being okay
2: is way more important. Yeah, I was always pro epidural going into it, but my third like flew out. And so there wasn't a chance for me to have an epidural. And I was like, oh, this is not what I signed (laughs) up for. This is not it. No, (laughs) this is not it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I was like, oh, I, I literally just kept... I kept, like yelling at everyone in the hospital room. I was like, there's no epidural. And they were like, but there's a baby coming there's out. And I was baby. like, you know, let me yeah, tell you, I, I didn't choose it. Wouldn't again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we can make a really natural transition from that to luggage. Yes, of course.
3: <laughs> I mean, truthfully though, base was truly what I feel like my first baby. Like Yes, so that the transition, yes, baby. There we go, we found it. Yeah, baby to baby. Yep, Mm -hmm. baby to baby. We found
2: it from one baby to another. Shay felt ready to take on a new adventure with bass, despite it being so far from her previous career in acting. She said it felt natural
3: for me. It was just the most natural progression into it. It's like, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. I remember at that time, my agents and team were kind of like, okay, beauty going to be a big wave beauty skincare. What do you love? You know, you work with glam, you love hair and makeup. And I'm like, yeah, but I don't have an interest in it. You know, like I, I don't, I, I leave that to the experts and the people that are, I have to do what I feel passionate about. And what I felt passionate about were bags. Like since I was a little girl, I'd go into Target when we'd be visiting the States, because we didn't have it in Canada at the time. Go to Seattle, go into Target, go straight to the toiletry bags. Why? I don't know. I didn't care what was even in them. I just loved bags for some reason. Caboodles, I had so many of them. I didn't have makeup even to put in them, but I loved it. And so when the time came, when, you know, I'd wrapped up the shows and I was like, okay, I've had this like, entrepreneurial bug that's been itching inside me. And I feel like now is the right time. I was on a plane and I was kind of drawing up this idea of this bag that I envisioned and like why I needed these certain features and what I kind of wanted it to look like. And I would be always looking at people's luggage and bags and in the airports and wherever I was. And I drew this, what was what's now our weekender bag on a napkin. And I was like, bags, it's travel. I love travel, but I love feeling comfortable when I'm traveling. And I love being able to have all my most beloved things in, in bags that I can bring with me so I'm comfortable in the unknown. It was just like a whole thing. And that's kind of when I started talking about it. And I'm like, oh no, this feels right. I can have 10 hour meetings about, I could talk about bags and luggage and all the things you need traveling all day. Yeah. And base kind of came about and, you know, base means beige. And that was one of my travel bags that I had this beige bag. And so that was sort of like an homage to it. As
2: you were drawing it out on the napkin and thinking about it, did you think it was going to be, okay, this is the bag I need to bring into the world and this can be one piece of it? Or were you like, okay, we're getting into luggage world domination and this is our first step into it?
3: Probably the latter because I did know that I wanted to follow it up into luggage. But I didn't want to launch with luggage because I wasn't just trying to create a travel brand. Truly, I consider Base to be on the go. I have bags. If you wanted to go to the grocery store, I have a gym bag. You want to go on a hike, I have a fanny pack that holds a water bottle. Like, we're not a travel. I don't need you to be able to to purchase our bag only if you have a plane ticket. You know what I'm saying? So right. for me, it was always I want to create an on the go brand, and that's why for me, launching with a weekender bag that could be taken anywhere was sort of the first initial step into it.
2: So I want to get into your business brain here. How did
3: you think about scaling? And how did you think about building your team around you? My team was an interesting one. And I'd always kind of gone into it. Listen, I didn't go to school. And like, I have to always start with that because I think a lot of people think, you know, it is scary. You say the word entrepreneur, you say starting a company and people are like, how do you do that? I don't even know to this day. I had an incredible team around me and I always brought people on that were smarter than me. That's my biggest word of advice. I don't want nor need to have to micromanage anybody. And when you have a solid team that you trust and have the same passion as you do, you can make anything happen. And I had such an incredible team. And at the beginning for the first few years, we only had like five and six and seven people. Now we have 24. At the end, we're going to have 40. Like it was a slow build. And even when I say that out loud, I'm like, oh my God, but being able to do what we've been able to do with that small of a team is incredible. But that's because we're genuinely all passionate about it. It's not just me being the one that's like, "Ah, I love this. This is a shame. It's not the Shea Mitchell brand. It's truly my team, and we all feel very strongly about what we do, and we love it. And I feel very fortunate to have that. Well, I mean, the same crew at the beginning is, is majority of those people are still here. So I tell everybody on my team, like, you need mental health time off, take it. That's like sets priority. Yeah. Everything else is not important. I'm not saving lives here. I'm building like suitcases and travel gear for people. We're not. If you need that time, you take it. And that's important.
2: Do you think there was a moment? or a series of moments for you that really did change your perspective and then your path changed as a result
3: and you found a different kind of success? I mean, a couple of times, like I honestly say, we sort of started this at the beginning. I don't know if we were recording at this moment, but I'm like, I feel like we're constantly pivoting. And I truly mean that. I had to pivot my morning today because you know Matt left earlier and I was like, wait a minute, I have a podcast at 10. I have these people. Okay, like I have to pivot all the time as we all do. And I feel like, a big moment like that for me. I mean, company wise for base specifically, I would say that was during COVID. It was, you know, an on the go brand when a lot of people weren't really on the go. So that was an interesting one. And I think it really put my entire team closer together, not physically, but, you know, we had a lot more meetings and Because we were able to be so nimble, we were able to move into a different category that benefited us so much. You know, okay, we're not doing luggage. What are we doing? Where are people going? Shorter trips, more road trips, you know, more with just the families. Okay, smaller products. What would you bring on a road trip? Farmer's market, outside space. Let's do a farmer's market. You know, it forced us to have to look in a different direction. I would say, personally, there was a pivot there because I was so used to, as my partner was, being on the road, traveling. However, I had Atlas who was a baby at that moment. She was like six months old when it hit. And I'm like, uh, we're both not traveling. We have this newborn. We were supposed to be doing music classes and all this stuff, putting her around other babies. And like, you were supposed to be here this month. It forced us to have to be together and, you know, have all of this time, which was, you know, a blessing in disguise. Truthfully, we had more time together at that time than any other time. Yeah. So looking back on it, I do feel for those aspects that we were very lucky to be able to have all that time with Atlas when she was so little and with each other at that moment. But again, you know, I was scared at the beginning. I'm like, oh, she won't be able to see my parents as much. What is this thing? And yeah, I would say that COVID was kind of that moment on so many different levels where I had to make pivots where I was not expecting to. Was there
2: something in your life that at the time you saw as a negative, but then now in retrospect, you look back and you realize it really launched you?
3: I honestly would kind of have to use that same example. Yeah. I was terrified. People were calling me, like, okay, so nobody's traveling for the next year. We had to have a huge meeting about it. And I'm like, what did I do? Should have gone into beauty or some other stuff. You know, I'm like, those, face masks, are taking Those off. face masks are taking off like, what am I doing? Fitness, fitness, you know, and no, but I, I, I was forced to have to figure it out as was my team. And and we, and we did so in a really great way that challenged us, but brought us closer and really allowed us to grow in different ways that we didn't think we were going to have to grow that soon, you know? And it really, yeah. like I said, for, for us, of course, just looking internally, it, it was a really interesting learning experience that ended up being positive in those ways. So yeah. that was definitely a moment. And then I don't know. I mean again, I think another moment being bullied and having to go through that set me up for having armor for being heavy on social media. That's what I will say. That would be my yeah. other sort of turning point. It looked low back then because it was, but now I'm like, "Oh wow, thank you guys all for allowing me to experience it then so I have like a a harder shell now, just like this armor, you know, that I feel like we all kind of need in this new age of, of living period. Well, Shay, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much.
2: Shay lives in LA. I'm sure we've all seen her Architectural Digest house tour by now with her partner and two daughters. Space shows no signs of slowing down and just launched more new designs perfect for your travel needs. For more on Shay and all of her pivots and ventures, you can follow her on at Shay Mitchell on TikTok and Instagram. I hope you enjoyed this season of She Pivots. I want to take a moment to thank you all for tuning in this season. We couldn't do this without your support and love. It's been such a thrill to connect with you all each week and hear such amazing stories from these inspirational women. As many of you know, this show was born out of my own personal pivot, and I'm still learning and growing in my pivot from my incredible guests. We're already plotting some exciting things for Season 3, so be sure to follow us on Instagram at ShePivotsThePodcast to stay up to date on all the latest happenings. Don't worry, we'll be back soon with another season filled with more dynamic women. Talk soon. She Pivots is hosted by me, Emily Tisch-Sussman, produced by Emily Eda-Veloshek, with sound editing and mixing from Nina Pollack, and research and planning from Christine Dickison and Hannah Cousins.
0: I endorse She Pivots. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry.